drop. Hey, Idaho Nems. Welcome back to another episode of ID Pod, where we talk about Idaho politics and how it affects you, the voter. I'm Lindsay Johnson. I'm Jesse Maldonado. And today we are going to be interviewing Holly Woodings. Boise City Councilor ran for state legislature before that. She didn't just run. She she served in the Idaho legislature. And in between being a legislator and being a city councilwoman, she also ran for Secretary of State in 2014. Mm-hmm. And before that, she was a uh, cosmetologist. She was a makeup artist. Makeup artist. For MAC Cosmetics. For MAC. So Holly worked there for about eight years and then ended up doing some uh, some more fun stuff in between. And she's going to tell you all about it on the podcast today. And that's why we were so excited to have her because she's got such an interesting story and uh, is doing a lot of good for yeah. Idahoans as a whole. and. Boiseans. Yeah, Holly's awesome. She's a mom. She's young. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really cool to see somebody like that who's done so much and in government and municipal government, and and state government. Hopefully and, much more to come. Yeah, I sure. can't wait to see what she does. Me either. It's really exciting. But we appreciate you guys tuning in today, starting, subscribing, downloading the podcast. I hope you enjoy it and we'll talk to you after. We ask this of every guest we have on ID Pod. Um, what is your favorite potato dish? Ooh, that's a really great question. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what's funny is that I'm not a huge potato person, okay. and I try to keep that pretty secret. <laughs> but my it's controversial. F- it, it is, is controversial, but it turns out, you know, like. I think a lot of people, I was raised on like giant white russet potatoes, Mm -hmm. which don't have a whole lot of flavor to them, it turns out. And now that I'm a grown up and I can buy my own potatoes, I'm in love with Yukon gold potatoes Mm -hmm. and I make this salad out of them with that's like vinegary and has capers and fresh parsley and it's so good. It's my very favorite. There you go. I'm also a big fan of fingerlings. Those are good. Those yeah. Are real good. So I think yeah. it's it's switched from potato dish to like potato type. Yeah. I mean, we've gotten a lot of answers and mm-hmm. there's an infinite way you can, number of ways you can eat potatoes. So Plus who doesn't love tater tots? Right. Oof. Mm. Our new thing is uh, tachos. Oh my, that's your new thing. Uh, well, <laughs> I'm making it other people's new thing. Have you been talking to Patrick Bajant? I haven't. So Patrick Bajant is a big fan of tachos. Oh yeah. Um, and he makes, so he takes his leftovers and he specifically gets them at Harry's in Hyde Park. And then he takes his leftovers home and makes, um, breakfast burritos out of them. Mm -hmm. Apparently that's a thing. Yep. So. Yep. Tachos. Tachos. It's the the new wave. Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) We're really excited to have you today, Holly. It's great to meet you for me. We've never had the pleasure of meeting before, but. Obviously, you two have so. Give Lindsay a little um, pitch about yourself and the listeners, just a you know brief little introduction. So we about get who to you know you a little bit. Who you are, where you've been, and you know what you're doing now. Well, one thing I remembered this morning um, to give you a little bit of context about my and Jesse's um, shared background is that we once ran a coordinated campaign to go to the Democratic National Convention. Yep. And we had shared campaign literature. We do. I still it have one somewhere. Pretty awesome. Pretty <laughs> awesome. It was fun back in uh, 2016. 
And we went, wow. and it was really fun. We did it. We had a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you got to go, but I got to go to Snoop Dogg. I did not go to Snoop Dogg. Yeah, well, I regretted it the next day when I couldn't stay awake, so. But I did get to see Snoop Dogg. Anyways. <laughs> I do regret not going to Lady Gaga. Oh, yeah. Oh I forgot, forgot that was happening. Right? right? I would yep. lose sleep over that. <laughs> I wasn't a fan <laughs> back then. in the vicinity. <laughs> oh, man. But now oh. I'm a big super fan. Anyway, um... So a little bit about myself. I serve on Boise City Council. I've also served in the Idaho legislature, and I very much prefer Boise City Council to that. <laughs> um, I come from like a family of loggers and, you know, very blue collar. I was the first in my family to go to college. I worked my way through college as a makeup artist. So people either That's know cool. me from politics or from the time that I sold them makeup at Mac Cosmetics because I worked, worked there at Mac for eight years. Oh my years. gosh, you're so wow. cool! <laughs> I didn't even know that. That's awesome. That's like amazing. All the hidden talents. All right. oh, I want you to do my makeup now. <laughs> so, um, and you know, I went to Boise State. I graduated from college. I spent several years developing wind farms throughout Idaho and in Minnesota, and. Um, ran for public office for the first time a couple years after that. Um, one of the things that I did was lobby the legislature. And I learned a lot <laughs> about how things work and how things don't work. Right. Um, I have two kids who go to Roosevelt Elementary School, and they're very cute. And I have a wonderful husband who um, has a software company, and we like to run and bike and um, go to plays and just love Boise in any way that we can yeah so it's a cool place to live yeah as a, as a new transplant to the area it's fun isn't it the best I'm also cool a transplant so. yeah yeah where are you we from oh I'm from originally from Florida oh cool so, my sister yeah. lives there oh really what mm -hmm. part she lives in Indian Harbor Beach which oh, is okay. over on the space coast okay yeah I'm from Orlando so not far yeah not too far from there yeah, but I I have lived in Idaho since 2012, so I've been here for a while, but not in Boise. So, cool. Yeah. So a couple of things um, that I think I would love to hear you go more in depth on is you mentioned that you know being on Boise City Council is more fun than being in the legislature. Yeah. Perhaps that was my question. Um, as somebody who's also served on uh, in municipal government, I think I probably understand, but I would like you know to hear in your own words why that is. Well, I think a lot of it is because I am the type of person who really likes to get stuff done. Mm -hmm. um, I like, and it's not really instant gratification, but it's like more, more manageable um, initiatives. So like, for example, yesterday we launched the very first day of our after-school program at McMillan Elementary, which is one of the few elementary schools in West Ada School District that are also in Boise City. Okay. Um, so our Parks and Rec pro our Parks and Rec Department runs these after-school programs at Title I schools throughout Boise, and this was the first of its kind in West Ada School District. And the way that that happened was I was having a meeting with the superintendent, Dr. Rannells, and we just kind of got on the topic of how much we love out of school learning and how enriching it is and how many more opportunities there are for kids to like discover passions and stuff outside of the formal learning environment. And I was like, 
oh, well, maybe we can talk to Parks and Recreation. So then I, you know, went back to City Hall and I got all those people in the same room and I talked to the mayor about it because, you know, it's his staff and he was super supportive. And so we, you know, just like got all the people together mm -hmm. that needed to talk and West Ada School District was wonderful to work with and Parks and Recreation got it all going. And so yesterday we were able to launch this program with 85 kids. That's oh, almost fun. half of the student body at wow. McMillan Elementary taking part in after school where they've had no after school mm -hmm. programming at all before. So it's those kind of things that it's like, yes, local government, like get stuff done. It impacts people's lives in, you know, a really kind of practical everyday way. So that's the kind of stuff I love to do. Yeah. You know, I think, cause I always tell people and I'm sure you can you, you do as well but that's why I loved municipal government so much was just that you could somebody could come to you with a concern and then within the week or so you could have that concern almost answered like or within the day even mm -hmm. you know my sidewalk is you know rippling because of tree branches and you'd be like okay well let me go talk to the streets department really quick well a little different here in Boise unfortunately but um, you know that kind of stuff is just so uh, it makes you feel a little bit better it makes you feel like you're actually you know not just slogging away for three months, um, you know, almost banging your head against the wall sometimes, as, as I'm sure you felt in the legislature, but in, right. the, in the city of Boise. Yeah, not to like bash on the legislature, try to get <laughs> you to bash on the legislature, <laughs> but as a Democrat in the Idaho legislature, like there's a lot of things you don't even get brought to the floor that you really are passionate about or that you know that your constituents are really interested in. And I would assume that's that can get very difficult and tiring. Yeah, I mean, I spent almost an entire session trying to get automatic voter registration um, at the DMV. Mm -hmm. And so I it's started only. it in 2013, right? And I only got a hearing and right. then it never had a second hearing. In 2014, like I got it again and they actually, you know, printed it and it had a bill number, but I was never able to get a second hearing because I was just never, you know, I'm a Democrat. Like, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter that a majority of the people of Idaho want to be able to register to vote at the same time that they renew or get their driver's license. I'm a Democrat and I'm the one bringing the bill. So yeah, it was, it was pretty frustrating. So it's almost like you have to have a strategy or like you have to get Republicans to, to help you along or to be on your side. <laughs> that is Good at more difficult right. than it that's seems. Hard. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> for sure. Definitely. And, but, you know, that's really what, I mean, all government is about, right? It's about yeah. building relationships. And, you know, I told those 85 kids yesterday, I was like, who's made a plan with their friends before that was like a really cool plan mm -hmm. and you carried through with it? Well, this is my friend, Dr. Rannells, and she was part of the plan. And this is my friend Doug, and he was part of the plan. Mm -hmm. And this is my friend, the mayor, and he's part of the plan. So I think it's so much easier in a nonpartisan Definitely. environment to make the friends that you need to mm -hmm. make the plan a reality. Which because it's it's more about the plan than it is about your you know your identity or your label. Right. You know, it's like is this for the good of our citizens? Is this mm -hmm. what people want? Um, is this a good investment in our future? And, you know, that's the kind yeah. of the lens that I like to look through when I'm doing big initiatives like sure. that. It's not as politicized and um, us versus them as it is yeah. during the legislative session where everything is on Twitter. <laughs> everything is being watched and 
very much partisan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how can you keep up with all of that? <laughs> well, <laughs> good question. <laughs> so you mentioned that you worked to get automatic voter registration in 2014, but you also ran for Secretary of State in 2014. Mm-hmm. Was that part of the decision-making process and you running for that? Um, yes. Well, I became really, I think the first time I ran for office, mm-hmm. um, which was 2012, I was shocked when I became aware of how few people got out to vote and how few people were registered to vote. Um, And I think that that kind of started my path Mm -hmm. toward greater voter education and voter engagement. Um, And I've done a lot of work in that area since 2012. And I, I mean, I think like so many other Idahoans, I looked at Benis Ursa, the mm-hmm. Secretary of State, as one of the most incredible public servants that we had. And so when he said he was going to um, retire, it was like, oh my gosh, who's going to replace Benis Ursa? Right. It has to be somebody who has the public interest in mind and who's mm-hmm. nonpartisan and, you know, all of these things. Um, and so I decided that I would throw my hat in the ring because I had that history of really working across the aisle and doing things in a nonpartisan fashion and not doing Democrat things or Republican things, but just doing things that were for the good of the people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was quite a year. It was quite a year. <laughs> and even uh, Duck Dynasty came to Idaho that year. Even Duck what? Dynasty came. <laughs> in 2012 or 14? 14. 14. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Wow. What a campaign that was. That would not happen this year. <laughs> <laughs> no. That was the first time uh, I met Holly back in 2014. She was coming through Lewiston on yeah. the campaign trail. Nice. That was fun. I feel like Secretary of State is, if I had to pick a statewide to run for, mm-hmm. I feel like that's what it would be. Oh, it's the best one. I, I just wanted that job so bad. Voting rights right. and things like that. Like, that's something I could get fired up about, mm-hmm. you know? And really passionate of, about. I think of like the business registration side too. I mean, how much data mm-hmm. is in that business registration side of the Secretary of State's office? And how could we use that data to help people be more successful in starting businesses right. in Idaho? And how can we like support entrepreneurs? Because a huge percentage of businesses that are formed, you know, through the Secretary of State's office fail within the first year. Mm-hmm. It's like, how can we mine all of that and figure out how to do better? Maybe someday. Yeah. <clears throat> There's an election coming up. Yeah. In you know, <laughs> <laughs> I would be so pumped to see a really awesome secretary of state candidate for us. Yeah. Like, not that we haven't, but you know, this another one, another, it would yeah. just be really exciting. Yeah. <laughs> so you were a makeup artist at a Mac. So what led you to entering politics. I mean, that's quite a leap. I feel like most Mac makeup artists are not looking to get into politics that I know of. I mean, but yeah, that's just really interesting to me. I would say that most of the people I worked with are still not politically active. Right. Um, Hairdressers are the same way. My mom was a hairdresser. So like, that's kind of like the mindset I'm coming from. My mom's a hairdresser too. Really? (laughs) Yeah. They're just, they're not, they're not super into it. And every time I get my hair done, I'm like, oh yeah, I work with blah, blah, blah. They're like, oh, I just don't even get involved in politics. I'm like, why not? (laughs) What's so funny is my hairdresser and she's been my hairdresser for like 15 years. Um, she is kind of my sounding board for Mm -hmm. things because she's such a, she's (laughs) such like a, 
kind of typical Idahoan. She's very mm-hmm. independent. She, you know, really prides herself on being an independent thinker. So I always like to kind of see things through her lens a little right. bit when when I'm doing stuff. And it's it's been really great. But yeah, so how, how did that happen? Right. Um, so I, I started working for MAC Cosmetics when I was 19 years old. Mm-hmm. And I was a first-generation college kid. So I didn't know how I was going to pay for college. And I had a lot of stuff to figure out. Um, so I started working for MAC. And it was an amazing job. And they pay, I mean, they pay incredibly well. Mm-hmm. Um, back Even back then, I think I was making $15 an hour wow. um, doing makeup. It's not easy to get that job. It's not. It was very competitive. It is. I'm a little bit competitive. I don't want this to become a makeup (laughs) podcast, but I've done my research on Mac. (laughs) So (laughs) it's a great company um, and they have really amazing values. And I think part of the reason why I wanted to work for them was for that. It was that value piece. You know, it was like, okay, well, here's somebody who treats their workers well. Here's here's a company that's really good to people. Um, One of the things that they did that was really good to their people was they had a tuition assistance program for full-time employees and in order to be full-time you had to work 30 hours a week so I used that program took advantage of that and started at Boise State um, went worked full-time and went to Boise State for five and a half years so you know it wasn't like your typical four-year graduation it was a long time Um, and when I graduated I happened to well, I guess a couple of months before I graduated, I was um, helping a friend of mine who was opening a restaurant downtown, and I was kind of doing the front of the house stuff, and I just randomly got to chatting with this guy who was dining by himself, and he's like, oh, you know, I work for a company that does renewable energy, and specifically, you know, wind, and I was like, oh, I wrote an essay about that when I was in college for my nonfiction writing class. May I send it to you? And so I went home and I like dug it off of a floppy disk and it was totally corrupted. I mean, the whole thing was a mess, right? So I sent him an email and I was like, I'm really sorry, but I don't have this essay that I wrote. Mm. Um, But he came back the next day with the CEO of the company and they offered me a job when I graduated. And I mean, I was that English major who took like the history of Southeast Asia Mm -hmm. instead of Uh taking like U.S. government or U.S. history or something. And, but as part of this job, we had a lot of legislators who wanted to know more about our business. It was kind of when wind was new in Idaho. Um, And so I had to register as a lobbyist so that I could talk to legislators. And and I think through that process, I learned how the sausage was made Mm -hmm. in the legislature. And I helped a couple of legislators with some pro-renewable energy legislation and helped them, you know, um, march that through the legislature and also sitting in many committee meetings committee hearings um, was also privy to the fact that a lot of legislators I mean really don't do their homework um, I had I had um, testified on behalf of the Idaho energy plan which is a plan that a lot of stakeholders came together to make Um, And it talked about Idaho and our place in creating our own um, energy sources and electricity sources, um, which by and large are renewable because Idaho doesn't have big stores of coal. We don't Mm -hmm. have a lot of natural gas. Um, So a lot of it's 
hydroelectric, solar, wind, geothermal. Um, and so I was I went into this committee hearing to testify about the economic impacts of renewables in Idaho and the potential for that. And then I sat, you know, I was finished with my testimony and one of the legislature started asking me about um, climate change, mm-hmm. which I mean, I'm not a climate scientist, I'm a right. renewable energy developer. Like I know the economics of this and I know that it's, you know, the so- social benefit mm-hmm. and the environmental benefit is great, but like, I'm not there to talk about climate science. And um, I remember sitting down and being like, if this guy can look up on Google and say, well, you know, I just looked up on Google and there are some climate scientists who think that the earth is actually cooling. Can you answer that young woman? Mm. And I was, I remember sitting down and being like, if this guy's smart enough to be in the legislature, like I'm smart enough to be in the legislature, mm-hmm. right? Of and course. I think I was 30 years old at the time. So that thought was, you know, some point in the future, sure. way down the road, maybe I'll run for the legislature. And then two years later, both of my representatives were vacating their seats. One was running for the Senate and the other was just retiring. And Remind us who those um, Brian Cronin retired, yep. okay. and Sheree Buckner Webb ran for the Senate to okay. replace um, Nicola Favor. Gotcha. And um, I had I was volunteering to pass a Boise school levy at the time, um, and kind of on the leadership team for that. And we had one staffer, and she was like, "You know, you know about the legislature. You should run for this." And I was like, "I'm 32. <laughs> like I have a small baby. I shouldn't mm-hmm. be running." the legislature but I did it anyway um and it was I mean it was really a great experience I'm so glad I did it and I've made a lot of really great friendships on both sides of the aisle that I still keep very active to this day and um I have a lot of faith that and one of the reasons why I wanted to get back to the city level is that I'm really looking forward to utilizing a lot of those relationships Mm -hmm. um, to solve some of the city's issues and solve some of the things that we need the legislature's help on. Um, So I think that that's that's how I got from makeup to (laughs) politics. Right. That's amazing. It's a very long and winding road. (laughs) I love it. That's great. Um, I'm super curious. You, You mentioned using those relationships to better the city, but maybe bettering cities across Idaho in general. I'm just curious what you think is one of the biggest issues facing every city around the state that you think the legislature and even relationships that you might have built or other, uh, the mayor or other city councilors throughout Idaho um, could work, you know, could work with the legislature with to to fix. Like, what do you think that that big issue is or maybe a couple issues that might be, you know, big, big to the city of Boise moving forward? I think the biggest issue and one of the issues that I've talked to a lot of folks about um, a lot of people on city councils from you know Sandpoint to Idaho Falls is we need a way to fund local projects Mm -hmm. like whatever that is you know maybe in one community they need it for to upgrade their sewer system maybe in another city it's something like public transit which I think is what it would be in Boise Um, but we're one of the very few states where cities and counties are not allowed to go to our residents Mm -hmm. and ask for um, a tax levy and so I think that that's kind of the biggest thing that we're facing as cities is just the inability to do that Mm -hmm. and really it's the legislature that has to give us permission 
to do it because we can't do it without their permission. Um, but we, I mean, we need it. We're, I think you see it a lot in the Treasure Valley. Idaho Falls is feeling it. Pocatello's feeling it. Um, we have things that we need to do. And, you know, they're pretty large, mm-hmm. multi-year projects that can't just be funded from general fund revenue. Um, and they're region-wide. So we need more tools in our toolbox to be able to do those things. Yeah, and you're referring to local option sales tax. Yeah. Yes, maybe, hopefully. Well, I mean, potentially. potentially sales tax, potentially payroll tax, potentially, okay. you know, just some kind of local option mm-hmm. that um, cities and communities and um, regions can really look to their voters and say, is this something that's important enough to you to levy additional tax on yourselves? And then allow the, the citizens to vote on that to yes. implement it. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's the biggest. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk about districts in large cities, um, city council districts. And I feel like that's a problem or a solution in search of a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think... I'm always keeping an eye on different ways that the legislature is trying to um, exert their power over cities because we we deliver something that's so immediate to our citizens and we're so close to our citizens mm-hmm. that if we're doing a bad job, like we hear about it immediately. Right. Um, and so I feel like I feel like they should give us more tools, maybe a little bit less regulation, and let us do our jobs to the best of our ability. What a concept. I know. <laughs> Local government, small government, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I want to talk a little bit about just running for office in general. Um, you said that when you ran for the legislature, you had a small baby. Um, you're also a woman in a very red state, and that running for the legislature that's kind of difficult i would assume a democrat as well and i feel like there's a lot of people out there who are in similar situations demographics who have ideas or dreams of running for office but don't know if they should or even people who don't even know if they could ever run for office or haven't even thought of it um how do i want to talk about how we make running for office seem more accessible to young people or just something that you can do if you really want to and it's not something that's impossible or far off and how do we get more people to run for office at any level how how do we speak to folks like you yeah that were in your situation you know cosmetics to you know doing whatever they were doing you know next how like we, your how hairdresser do, how do speak to folks like that? Yeah. <laughs> people like that or you know mom of a toddler how do we speak yeah. to that like you don't have to have a political science degree you to not. run for office and i think i think the more compelling people that i've served with come from various backgrounds mm-hmm. um you know i think i think that that is what makes us really good public servants is that we you know we weren't like politics that's my thing it's like yeah you know wind energy that's my thing Mm -hmm. and then how can I you know keep making a difference um I think we're seeing a really cool dynamic shift right now in Boise with the Boise City Council election I don't know (laughs) if you've been looking at this election but there are so many people running (laughs) who are 
I mean, just incredible from all different backgrounds, mm-hmm. all different professional backgrounds. And by and large, they're young. Yeah. Right. They're like, you know, in their early 30s. And mm-hmm. it's pretty cool. I mean, it's really neat to see. Um, because even a couple of years ago when I ran, there was, I mean, the the candidate pool was pretty shallow, mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. say. Um, and so this is really heartening to me that we've finally made local government interesting enough that um, young people really want to get out there and run for it. And everyone's like out there hustling mm-hmm. too, which is cool. Um, so I think that that sets a really neat precedent um, yeah. for for the future. How do we get people to run for the legislature though? You know, in my <laughs> district, it was so easy because it it's such, I mean, it's the most liberal district. Right. In, and, and it's walkable the to, the, to the Capitol, you know? Yeah. yeah. And it, and that, and that's a great point. It's because right in front of them. Even though I had a baby, mm-hmm. like I lived less than a mile from the Capitol. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't really that big of a deal. Right. Um, it would be really hard to commute into Boise. Um, as a young parent like from Coeur d'Alene right you know some people have to basically uproot their lives Mm -hmm. (laughs) to come here for three months yeah and people do it and it's I mean it's got to be really hard Um, you don't get paid very much as a legislator Mm -hmm. so it can't be your only source of income Um, it can't even really be like a main source of income if you're a dual income family Um, so there's all sorts of barriers to that I don't have the solutions to all of those problems, but um, but I do recognize that it's it's difficult for most people, mm-hmm. and I think that's why you end up with a lot of people who are self-employed, retired, um, retired independently wealthy, independently wealthy farmers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and a lot of the reason why the legislative session ends at the time that it does is because people are like, I need to get back home to do the planting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right now. I don't need to be messing around here in Boise. Yeah. Um, Tiny die. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Never come soon enough. (laughs) I got to get seed in the ground like right away. So it's, um, yeah, there are a lot of barriers Mm -hmm. to having more diversity in the legislature. Yeah. Running for office is is definitely not something, um, it's a privilege to be able to do it. And it's not like it's easy for anyone, just anyone to do. Yeah. So that's important to recognize. But thankfully... Like like Holly has done, you know, there are those local offices, there are those, right. you know, even county commission if you're looking to get into a partisan race. But if you, you know, don't want to do a partisanship, you know, your city council. I was, I was reading a news story yesterday that there's a town on the banks of Lake Coeur d'Alene that there's nobody running for mayor right now. Like oh, the which mayor, town is that? I wish I re- oh, that's a great, great story when I can't remember what the town is. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's like 250 people that live there and... The current mayor resigned, and the person running for mayor just took their name off the ballot, and so they have nobody running nobody to be mayor. mayor. There's an interim mayor right now, but anyways, that I mean, there's there's offices out there. There's there's places that they we need people to jump in, and especially at those hyper local offices, it's pretty easy. Yeah, you know, and it's 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 same story as you from District 19 to the Capitol. It's you know your home to City Hall. Maybe it's a 10 minute drive, but you know. It's something that you could maintain without being retired, without being a farmer, without being independently wealthy. You can still be a parent or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, maintain your other job even at that pace too. So, And back to the county thing. And this kind of goes back to why I ran for secretary of state too. I really wanted that job. (laughs) And a lot of these county 
positions, they're partisan, but they're mm-hmm. jobs. Right. You know, mm-hmm. like full time. Dottie Owens is the coroner. She deals with dead people all the time and she loves her job. Right. Like Dottie and she's fans. really, really good at <laughs> she's it. She's really good at we it. Love right. Dottie. And so I think and people have recruited me since you know, since I left the legislature, I've been recruited for many things where it's like, I don't want that job. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a job. I don't want to be the county clerk. The county clerk is the clerk of the court. Elections is a very small portion of what they do. Like, that's just not a job that I want to do. Mm-hmm. But if you are an attorney and you are interested in being the clerk of the court, mm-hmm. like, you should run for that job. Yeah. And passionate about making sure elections are done, you know. Fairly. Well, yes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. hopefully, if you're willing to be the clerk of the court, you're dedicated to justice in right. all areas. Right. Correct. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, like county treasurer mm-hmm. is another one. It's it, yeah. These are all jobs that you just have a, a little bit different hiring panel right. for. It's not just a title. It goes beyond winning the election. Mm-hmm. Then it's a job. Yeah. And you have to be good at it. And I'm always for the most qualified mm-hmm. person. And sometimes that draws the ire of my fellow Democrats because sometimes the most qualified person's a Republican mm-hmm. and I'm for them. But it's like, give mm-hmm. me a really well-qualified Democrat right. who I think is going to do a really great job mm-hmm. at this job. And I will be 100% behind them every single day of the week. So Holly, when this podcast drops, um, it'll be a week before, less than a week before the municipal elections hit. Um, and, you know, there's they're all over the state and even here in Boise. Um, but why, from your perspective, is it so important for folks to get out and uh, participate in those elections? Well, I think one thing that people don't realize is that municipal elections have some of the lowest voter turnout of any elections in the state. I mean, we're talking like 30% or less of eligible voters will turn out to vote for their city council and their mayor. Um, these are the people who make decisions that impact your life every single day Um, we're making decisions on how you get your garbage picked up we're making decisions on how your wastewater gets carried away and how it's treated and where it goes after that Um, you know we're making sure that your local park is getting greened up that it has the equipment that it needs for your kids to enjoy so i think that a lot of times it's the national elections and the state elections that really get a lot of the attention Mm -hmm. but it's really these local elections that make the largest impact on your everyday life and you need people there who share your values there are about i mean in boise i want to say that there are a dozen candidate forums Mm -hmm. in the next month so that you can, you know, learn more about your candidates and figure out what their values are and if they align with your values. And it's, you know, I, I just imagine if we had like 10% more voter turnout, right. what would that look like? You know, how would that shape elections? And most of the people that vote in municipal elections are also older. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What would it look like? If we had 50% voter turnout among people, you know, 18 to 35, Mm -hmm. I think it could be amazing. So there's my plug for (laughs) voting in municipal elections and how much of a difference you can really make um, getting out and supporting those candidates that support your values. Yeah, that question just came to mind. I'm super curious, you know, I ran for 18, I ran for 18, I ran when I was 18 and still the turnout amongst 
you know, young people was abysmal. So what do you think we could do to encourage folks, um, 18 to 35 millennials and Gen Zers to turn out at the rate that they normally do in a presidential year? How do you think we make city council just as shiny, cool. just as shiny <laughs> and cool as a presidential race? I don't, I don't know if, you know, if there was a magic wand, I think we'd have that. In, we'd already have done that, but I'm just curious what you think. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I, I try to do things like getting out into college classrooms and high school classrooms and really kind of spreading that message and, you know, telling people what I do on a daily basis and the things that I get to have influence on. And so I, I try to do a lot of outreach in that way. Um, but hopefully having, you know, younger, more exciting candidates mm-hmm. also helps to get folks out. Um, I just we'll wasn't see. as exciting as I needed to be, apparently. I feel like you know, <laughs> those, yeah, those candidates will go to the young people and say, hey, I'm running for office. And they look like them and they're similar to them and their interests and what they do. And that, I feel like, makes a big difference. But I also feel like there's a lot more social pressure these days mm-hmm. to vote mm-hmm. as a young person. You know, with um, young activists in the public eye um, around issues like climate change and... Um, you know, any number of issues. It's just, there's a lot more pressure on young people to vote, which is awesome. I guess Mm -hmm. we'll see, you know, this year what the turnout is and, you know, what the demographics are of that turnout, but just seeing so many folks and, you know, it's really easy for us just to speak to Boise here, uh, sitting in Boise, but the age and the people that have ran for city council this year, the young people that have actually started to put their names on the ballot, you know, maybe that is a wave that's going to carry over into the turnout. You know, I Mm -hmm. guess, I guess we'll see but it's just something that, you know, as you mentioned, you didn't see when you ran in 2017, yeah. you know, so maybe, maybe it will carry over, but that's just such an interesting thing to, to think about yeah. because it's, it's, it's so important and it's important to everybody, renters to homeowners. Mm-hmm. It's important for every single person to make sure that their voice is heard and they have a, you know, a seat at the table. So. Yeah. Agreed. Could not agree more. So for the folks listening who want to find out more about their municipal elections, where's a good place to start as far as general information and like information on the candidates? You mentioned candidate forums. Is there anything else they should know? That's where it gets a little bit tricky. It's hard because it's not all in one place. Right, right. It's not all in one place. I mean, I would say if there's a particular issue that you're really passionate about, you know, say conservation, there's organizations that do that and they Mm -hmm. interview the candidates for you and they make their recommendations Mm -hmm. on pro-conservation candidates if you're into um you know labor and working wages like same thing so you can always find an organization that you connect with and see who they think is the right candidate for that issue um every candidate basically like has a facebook page Mm -hmm. some of them have instagram like some of them have twitter so you can do some independent research on um on Mm -hmm. social media and you know attend a candidate forum if you can i think that you can get a really good read on who people are based on how they acted at candidate forum or even <laughs> look up look up one of the forums that's been fi- uh, streamed live on facebook yeah um you don't even have to leave your couch right that's a great point and i um, will plug sitting yeah. next to a former journalist yeah i was that, just about <laughs> and i'll let you do it thing. i'll let you do it oh no you're fine but um well you know we also have political reporters who do yeah. all this research for us so that we don't have to they do great work um and they i mean all most of the publications in idaho will do um stories that 
highlight. This is what's happening in your city. These mm-hmm. are the races. Um, this is what you need to keep an eye out for. These are the dates. This is how you register to vote. And they put everything in one place for us so that we don't have to do all the hard searching. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a great point. Yeah. And so I highly recommend subscribing to your local uh, news media mm-hmm. uh, they do great work and they that's where you get all the good stuff so make sure you're keeping an eye out for your local political reporters here here <laughs> yeah well holly we appreciate having you on this was fun and we're so glad we finally made time and yeah excited. it was great this was really fun it's like been fun i'll come back anytime yay we appreciate that thanks thanks all right, that's a wrap, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of ID Pod with Holly Woodings. I'm Lindsay Johnson. I'm Jesse Maldonado. And we will see you next time. Thanks, everyone. Don't forget to vote next week. Vote, November vote, 5th. vote. Polls are open from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, guys.